Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. Oh! Woo! Ah! You excited? It's October, baby! I know. I'm actually really excited. I'm feeling very cozy. I got my crew neck on. 60 degrees out. Apparently, it's supposed to heat up. Actually, this like I know next, like, <laughs> it's supposed to be ninety two. Like, you know, I know. I'm not 90. excited. It was. Uh, we had a little run of like two cold days here in L.A., and uh, all of a sudden, people are wearing sweaters, sweaters, and uh, getting pretty excited about fall. Me included. Dude, it was great because um, I got my COVID booster and flu shot on Friday night, so I was just a little out of it on uh, Saturday. I just picked like the perfect day to do it. Like it was overcast all day. It might have rained a bit if I remember correctly. I just played cyberpunk all day, like in my pajamas. It was fucking awesome. Awesome, dude. So much that fun. sounds amazing. Well, that bring actually brings us into the first topic. What have we been playing? Cyberpunk, huh? Phantom Liberty, Liberty, baby. I am. I actually beat it last night. I was up to like oh. almost two a.m. Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, I um, I think it took me like maybe. 10, 12 hours to get through the DLC, maybe 13, which is pretty good value for the 40 bucks I paid for it or 30 bucks, whatever it was. Um, yeah, man, I am. I'm loving that game. I'm, I want to start a new character again and just kind of slowly chip boy at it. Kind of have to shell that for a hot minute because we got some, you know, fun games coming up to play and um, for Spooktober. Yeah. But um, yeah, dude, it's great. I, I recommend, I recommend anyone to jump back into it. Um, they reworked a lot of the systems. I've already talked about this, you know, in length in previous episodes, I'm sure. But they reworked a lot of systems, um, new weapons, new like ways to fight. Idris like, there's Elba. literally, huh? Elba. Idris Elba. Um, and there's literally like an option, like a new perk you can get where you can basically like literally jailbreak like your cyberware. So like you get new like mantis blade abilities and new like Sick. launcher abilities, like so much stuff. Um, and Idris Elba, all the new major players they actually um, introduce are extremely, extremely good. Uh, Idris Elba is an incredible. I forget her name, but the actress that does the VO, I don't know if she did mocap for her too, but the actress that does the VO for Songbird was insanely good. And um, the VO they got for President Myers, who I also don't know their name, but they were incredible. And wow. Keanu did really well too. Um there were a lot of like really funny moments and like, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm very bullish on cyberpunk. I was bullish when it came out, maybe wrongly so, but um, I'm even more bullish. <laughs> really, now. really come around for you, man. Yeah. And like just playing that and then like having played a little bit of Starfield, I'm just like, God, Starfield sucks, bro. Like, there really is a, it's funny that Starfield came there's out levels, man. There's as, levels. Yeah. As Phantom Liberty, you know, as the DLC for cyberpunk kind of comes around and Baldur's Gate 3 comes around. And I know this has kind of been the topic of conversation with like a lot of yeah. coverage of video games right now, which is, you know, Starfield is a little behind when it comes to the RPG elements of Baldur's Gate 3 and behind in the action kind of gameplay style of like cyberpunk. So it's like kind yeah. of there's two other games that kind of do what it's doing on both sides Just of the spectrum. Way better. Way better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I find that to be a pretty, pretty roughly timed moment for uh for starfield i really wonder what the reception for starfield would be if it came out you know earlier in the year or you know kind of in its its intended time slot uh, a little bit ago yeah i mean it would have competed with zelda at a certain point in the year but i still think there was probably a sweet spot in there where more people would have picked it up 
Yeah, I don't know. I think it's like kind of embarrassing, to be honest, for Bethesda. <laughs> um, and everyone talks about like, oh my God, but the physics are so good, yada, yada, yada. Like, bro, go play Outer Wilds. Like, <laughs> I know, I saw the TikTok. <laughs> you made that I, I, I'm so upset by those comments because it's just like, uh, are they like good is it a good physics engine they did yeah it's good but it's like we've seen better in like other well, games well also it's like i mean it, it, it feels weird to talk about physics when something like unreal engine just simply exists like you and i can just go mess around with physics people just make physics-based games every day like yeah ga- games that have like that kind of take it really far when it comes to leveraging like I mean, Unreal 5 demos have like these crazy physics engines that are going on that are out of the box for any game developer to use right now. Yeah. Um, and Unreal 4 is like a totally accessible thing. A lot of games are built on that now. It feels like a weird hill to be on to be so into the physics engine of like a Bethesda game when like yeah, Epic whack. and Unreal have basically have an out of the box physics engine for you that's probably quite a bit better. Yeah. And what, what two other things I want to shout out really quickly for Phantom Liberty is like just the small details they do of world building in that game are so good like they were talking about like i I was just walking around in like in a market area and i heard a tv on i stopped to listen for a sec and they went on like a two three minute dialogue about how i forget what disease it was but like they're talking about some disease where they couldn't cure it with cyberware implants because it wasn't like affecting a specific like uh organ or tissue or anything but rather in the blood or whatever and they're talking Mm. about how oh we're doing like nanobots to like treat this and like this whole thing um, it might have been MS, actually. I'm not sure. But wow. they went on like this whole thing, like this three-minute spiel about how they're treating this. And it's just like a random news thing that a lot of players probably won't hear. And then another one, too. I was just going to like a side gig to, for a fixer, which the fixers in that world are like the um, like the middlemen, I guess, um, for like all the gigs you get and the jobs. And like before I enter the room, I just hear him on the phone, and he's just talking like to his daughter. And it's just oh, like he clearly has like a super like young daughter on home and you can tell he's like super sweet to her and everything. And like if you just wait to enter the room for two minutes, like you get this whole like dialogue. If you just listen outside, like, I don't know, stuff like that. I was just like, I like that out the whole time. I like I what playing. I'm hearing. Yeah. So, so good. Um, play, play Phantom Liberty, play Cyberpunk. It's lit. It's awesome. Yeah, actually, you know, like, I mean, when I first played the game, that was what? Was it two years ago or three years ago that Cyberpunk three came out? Three years ago, almost three yeah. years ago. December wow, yeah, twenty twenty. End of twenty twenty was when it came out, and I mean, I didn't have a, I didn't have a next gen console back then, and uh, I was playing on Google Stadia because I didn't have like the hardware to run it, but now I do with the PS five. So you're tempting me to uh, pick it up again. Yeah, man. My official take: it was always decent. However, unacceptable to not run well. On yeah. I, well, even I mean, I will die on I, that hill. I I really even with like. Well, it, it's hard for me to judge because I, I know I had a lot of criticisms about the bugs and like the poor performance of the game in general when I first played it. I don't I really truly don't know how much I would have enjoyed it if it was working well, but I would like to give it a fair shot now that the DLC's out. And um You like RPGs too. I think you'd really fuck with it now. I do, but I remember not liking some of the systems and like the way like the challenge and like some of the tuning of the game I remember not. I mean they reworked into. a lot of it, honestly. Yeah, yeah, and I I did see a TikTok of somebody with the ability to freeze time and they were doing like a Dio thing from oh, the Sandevistan. Yeah, yeah. That I have that. Sick. It's sick. It's okay. super fun. That yeah. that got that me. That was in the base game. See, that's what I mean, man. That was in the base game when it came out and we didn't even like there's wow. so much we didn't dive into when we first, you and I first played that. Like, well, the blinders were on, man. The blinders Just were like, on. Yeah, we were so upset about the performance of the game. But anyway, yeah. I have been enjoying uh, Bloodborne. 
That's been kind of my game more, most Fitting. recently after Oxenfree. Yeah, you know, um, I it's funny because Lies of P comes out and um, that game looked really cool. I played the demo for that game actually on Steam Deck when it when it had its run there at the uh, Summer Games Fest, I think it was. And uh, I dug the demo, you know, and I, I've been trying to play more FromSoft stuff. Obviously loved, loved Elden Ring, played a little bit of Demon's Souls Remaster and uh, just got into Bloodborne. And uh, it was like 20 bucks on the PlayStation Store. It was either going to be that or Sekiro. I decided to go for that one. And I think I'm about halfway through and I love it. I think it's awesome. It's great to play a FromSoft game. It's just as rewarding as Elden Ring was. Um, and it's been one hell of a ride, honestly. Are you going to check out Lives, Lives of P? Yes, I absolutely will. Yeah. And um, I mean, I was stoked on the demo for that game and it it, it looks cool, right? It just like looks like it, it's... The, the take that I'm hearing out there, uh, and IGN, I think, gave it a pretty good rating, actually, if, if I recall, is like 8 out of 10. And, uh, you know, it's like the best Souls-like that's not a FromSoft game is kind of the, yeah. the take that people have had on it. And uh, honestly, it's it's great that the genre is getting more players sort of in the space and that are doing it slightly differently from FromSoft. But it does look like a straight-up clone of Bloodborne <laughs> in a lot of ways yeah. with like a slightly different flavor to it. But still looks cool. Still Still going to try and play that one. I gotta say, man, my auction, or not auction, my okay. draft. No, it was yeah. the auction. No, yeah. it was the auction. Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling pretty damn good about it. Just to recap, I got Mirage, Assassin's Creed Mirage, which is coming out soon. I think that's going to be great. Lies of P, which got great reviews. Mm-hmm. Phantom Liberty. Alan man, you Wake took that two. one, huh? Yeah. yeah. And then Sonic, whatever, and <laughs> EA Sports. EAFC, I don't know, whatever the new FIFA is called, I'm not even sure. <laughs> I feel good about it. I feel EAFC? good about it. EAFC, right? yeah. yeah. I will say, though, Tim, Starfield turned out to be a huge over overpay. Yeah, three, three paid 390 of the, what was it, 600 budget? Yeah. Or- Silk Song, I've heard, might not even come out. Yeah, it was 390 he paid. Most likely. However, yeah. he did get Armored Core 4 or 6, which I've heard is amazing. I haven't played. And he got... We let him get Baldur's Gate for seventy five. I know, no one knew. <laughs> I didn't. So under, I didn't know. I didn't. I put like a. I have. I didn't beat it, and I plan to go back to it eventually. But I put like a good twenty ish, twenty five yeah. hours into that game. I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, and um, um, Chambers <laughs> has payday three Super Mario. CS2. Yeah, okay. Give me the take. On, you played some payday, right? Can you give me the take on? Payday? Yeah, oh yeah, I played payday three. Um, yeah, I I didn't play that much payday two, and when I did play it was actually quite a while ago so my memory of it's kind of shoddy um but i'm really enjoying payday 3 actually you know i I think for like a month or two it's gonna be really fun then i probably won't pick it up again for maybe a year but um for what it is and it's only it was only like 30 no it's on game pass and i have game pass so it's like why not you know yeah um for that price point which is like you know the ten dollars a month whatever i pay for game pass um it's like why not? It's really fun Still the to best kind of mess deal around with the boys in gaming. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, run me through the the gameplay. I mean, I saw some janky stuff on TikTok. You know what? It's like, kind of like it's it's kind of like a in in some ways like a baby co op hitman. Okay, I like yeah. that. I so like that. you know you enter like the area you know and you have your mission and you have a lot of ways you can not necessarily a lot of as many like um, liberties to how you choose to go about it as you would in say um, so we're hitman but you have like ways you can go about this heist things you can do um and it's co-op and you know you're basically infiltrating like a bank or like a nightclub where there's hidden goods or something or a jewelry store like even do it there's a jewelry heist one right 
or there's even one where you have to like intercept you know an armored car stuff like that um and that's like the basic kind of premise and then as far as the gameplay you know you can either kind of try and be stealthy you know go in quietly try and maybe pickpocket some people to get like access cards or whatever Mm -hmm. or you can kind of not necessarily go loud but go like violent stealthy where (laughs) you're killing guards you're killing guards um the the thing is if you go violent stealthy once you put your mask on in the game you can't take it off for whatever reason Mm. i kind of get why you can't it'd probably make the game way too easy if you could go back and forth between like those two modes um or you can just go loud and you just put the mask on and start going right away um where i find the gameplay gets really interesting though is when you have your friends and some of you you know are going stealthy and violent and like shooting people as needed and some people are still staying like public facing um mm. and wandering around like the areas or whatever um as i found that gameplay loop very fun it kind of like no you know for example like i was playing with chambers and we're out like i i went violent stealthy i masked up and <laughs> you know like chambers is in like a restricted area and i'm there too or like around the corner and all yeah. of a sudden like a cop walks in and chambers is just like oh fuck and like the guy goes to arrest him and then i just pop around the corner and shoot him shoot the like, cop nice yeah nice. so fun um I, yeah what a crazy sentence shoot shot the cop so fun <laughs> <laughs> i know um, good thing we're recording a podcast right now yeah, that'd be a little weird thing to say yeah um yeah, I, I think everyone, I think it's worth checking out if you have Game Pass. And honestly, I think it's worth the 30 or 40 bucks for what it is. So I can easily see myself sinking, you know, 20 hours in that, into that game over the course of a couple months. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I mean, honestly, Game Pass, like I said earlier, is like still the best deal in gaming by far. And uh, honestly, at this point, we could probably say it's better than PlayStation Plus, any of the PlayStation Plus tiers, right? Yeah, no, no objections here. I will say I was a little bummed, uh, you know, your announcement, one of the games we're doing for Spooktober is going to be Resident Evil Village. And I was a little bummed to find that wasn't on PlayStation Plus. I know, um, I know. You know, I'm, I'm happy to pay for games, but it's just like, man, why do I have this subscription service? If, I know, I know. I was really hoping yeah. it'd be, it was 40 bucks to buy though. So it's not full price, but yeah. um, still had to pay for a game right there. You didn't have to pay for Payday 3. Uh, did you I'm have a excited, full stack uh, for Payday uh-huh. 3? Did you have a full stack or was it three people? Full stack, yeah. Nice. I nice. played okay. it a few different times with a full stack. I played with uh, Ricky Edgar, I think Chambers one night. Played with some friends from college another night and then Chambers and some of his homies. So Nice. I nice. got a lot okay. of variety of experience too. It's really funny too because, <laughs> you know, you're, you're very discouraged from killing civilians. Um, and like you, the amount of money you get at the end of a heist um, is literally determined on like what you steal. But also, if you kill a civilian, um, you lose some of that income. Mm-hmm. But like, it's so minimal; it almost doesn't even matter. So, yeah. like, if I see a civilian in a restricted area, just got get him, got yeah. him. Yeah, got him. another weird sentence to say, man. Yeah. Uh, hey, man. Yeah. One thing. One thing <laughs> that Chambers also did auction for uh, earlier in the year was Counter Strike Two, and uh, that actually had somewhat of a surprise. I mean, we all saw it coming, but it had like a very surprise kind of day release where the tweet just got released um, by Valve and it was just, bam, Counter-Strike 2 is available right now to download. It, it kind of reminds me of the Apex Legends drop. It just kind of was like here one day. Yeah. Um, but that was even more obscure. But yeah, CS2. I, I want to play that with you guys. I never really jumped into a Counter-Strike game. It's fun, um, man. It's fun. I, uh, I'm I like down. the gunplay in Valorant, so I think I would enjoy Counter-Strike 2, albeit be very shitty at it. 
I mean, honestly, there's less to worry about when you're playing CS than Valorant and uh, less maps, less, I mean, no ults or any bullshit like that. Yeah. Um, just pure unadulterated flicks and clicking on heads and stuff. But uh, Counter-Strike 2, well, you know, I have a buddy who, um, well, Jeremy, who you know, I think we've mentioned him on this podcast before. He was playing some of the early access saying that he really, really digs Counter-Strike 2. Um, I was waiting and seeing how it runs on Steam Deck. That's like my main kind of gaming machine on desktop right now. And um, the Steam Deck subreddit, I was looking at some, uh, you know, performance stuff, some visuals and some images earlier today and looks great. So I'm checking out CSGO 2 hopefully this week on Steam Deck. Yeah, I can't imagine it's hard. I mean, Valve's very good about making their games yeah. easy to run. Yeah. I, got so, always, I keep cool. forgetting you have uh, a Steam Deck. Are you... Are we still in on that? Are we liking it overall? I, I do like it. I just don't have a game that I'm playing on it. I mean, I, I feel like there's there's very specific games that I want to play on my Steam Deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, Counter-Strike obviously is like one of those things. Something that is like a PC-oriented desktop game that is like not available. I don't even know how to describe it. Like, okay, Golf with Friends is just on Mac, Right. So I record on my Mac. I work on this computer. I'm on this computer right now. There's no need to like flip peripherals to my Steam Deck to play golf with friends. It's just downloaded right, on yeah. this computer. So but same thing with um, Tabletop Simulator. You know, so a lot of the games that we've been playing on Steam lately with our friend group has been like either golf with friends or Tabletop Simulator. But when we were doing Valheim, I would boot up the Steam Deck and just play a handheld. That was great. Uh, so yeah, CSGO 2 dropped, Payday 3 dropped, um, Phantom Liberty dropped, uh, Starfield, Baldur's Gate. There's been a ton of stuff that's been coming out in the last couple months. Um, and I think really leading the way is Baldur's Gate 3. Um, it seems like has really taken the zeitgeist and, uh, so much so that people literally, developers literally had to say, don't expect other games to be this good, (laughs) which is like pretty insane statement, but yeah, I, I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast. I'm very torn on that statement because on one hand, I'm like, fuck you. Like I'm a capitalist. Like this, the consumer dictates like what is or isn't good. Um, on the other hand, I also understand that game was actually in early access for quite a long time, you know, mm-hmm. had huge amount of years of development behind it, was able to get tons of like user feedback and had a massive team. So torn on that one, honestly, but um, nothing else that sets a standard. So yeah, that's some good. people are calling it the, best RPG of all time. Some people are putting on lists already of like greatest game of all time. I think we have to wait and see, but, um, I think that's a good argument. Honestly, I, the only reason I put it down too was just because I got to one encounter. I just died like six times on, I can't figure it out yet. Still working on it, but yeah, dude, it's a addicting game. I think you'd love it too. If you jumped in and played it. Yeah. I do want to jump in and play, especially, well, right now we have our slate of games for October kind of slated up. Um, like Matt said earlier, we are um, very excited here, actually. We're going to be jumping into Resident Evil Village, and we're going to be jumping into... What game are we doing, Matt? I guess we just get to decide ourselves what game we're doing for October. Yeah, for what the fuck, freaking... guys? Yeah, come on, yeah. y'all. Nobody voted. Um, yeah, I mean, let me, let me actually real quickly confirm that no one has voted on that one yet. Usually yeah. our voting gets so much attention. Did we um, drop that on too random of a day? The twenty. What day was that that we did the voting? Uh, it's 27. It was just a that's Wednesday. Wednesday. That's a little random. No one fucks around on hump day, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, Lucas and I have a tradition of doing um, like a a game in the style of like, 
what is it like until dawn or like like a quantic dream style game or like super massive games where they do like until and or yeah until dawn um the quarry. like a mocap story yeah. driven choose your own like adventure horror heavy game. rain mm-hmm. Detroit become human those kind of games <laughs> not heavy and rain please <laughs> that that one's i might i'm gonna talk about that a different day <laughs> i feel like talking about that game again too <laughs> um yeah, so we're going to be doing another super massive game. We've done the two biggest ones, I think is fair to say, which is uh, The Quarry and Until Dawn. And we're going to be jumping into one of their other ones. They have an anthology series um, called The Dark Pictures. And they have several um, installations or installments in this. They have Man of Eden, Little Hope, House of Ashes, and The Devil and Me. And being the kind man I am, I put this up to the Discord to decide what we were going to play. I even linked all the trailers. You know, it took me a couple of minutes to find those trailers. Um, <laughs> oh, no. And um, no one has voted. So uh, Lucas and I will officially be deciding what we're playing, uh, just like how we decided we were playing Resident Evil Village. So Let's literally just pick the devil and me. Th- that's the most recent one, right? I, I believe so. Let me, sure. Uh, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. All okay, right, cool. We me. picked it. Great. I mean... Looks cool. Stay at the murder hotel is kind of the premise of this one. Oh, that sounds uh, fun. Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm uh, excited for that. Lucas and I, we might try and find a way to stream it. I don't know. Oh, we will. We will. Yeah. We'll do it on the TikTok. So follow us on TikTok, everybody. Yeah. Honestly, too, we can probably... Are, are they off? We'll figure it out. Figure it out. Um, yeah, looking forward to that. Though. That's always a fun tradition where we just kind of get a little drunk and play video games together. Or a lot. A good time. Yeah, or usually on a weekday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is a fun time. It is a very fun it's time cuz here's yeah. okay, here's here's my thing. I uh do, do you like when it gets dark? We we had this discussion. You don't like when it gets darker earlier. Just because I hate when I leave my apartment at 5 p.m. after working and it's dark. Ah, oh, see, I I I I like it. I like it that way. Yeah. I just I feel like I have I'm surprised you like that cuz you like golf and everything. I thought, you know, I would think you are are golf courses usually well lit. No, no, you can't play golf at night. Okay. I mean, unless you play on spe- very, very special courses that have it. But I mean, yeah, you like lose a portion of your evening and everything. But like, I, I find the night very like comforting. Like that's where the video games get played. That's where the movies get watched. That's where like the dinners get eaten. That's where yeah. night is like you're not work. Like you're not working. You're not like when you when it hits nighttime you're in a a different kind of mode, at least for us, like regular schmo nine to five guys. So when the night, when I feel the sun setting and I feel the night kind of coming into being, I get very, very relaxed. I feel very excited. Um, And yeah, I'm just, I I, I love this time of year because then I can go over to your place. We could play one of these hilarious or scary, sometimes hilarious games uh, and just laugh and get drunk at like eight o'clock, which is hard to do when there's still light out. Yeah, I will say, I will say, I do enjoy just the cozy vibes that the night brings, like you're saying. Yes, yeah, yes, very, pretty hard to beat. Excited to beat. All right, Um, I think we got a few things we want to talk about today. Um, I have a couple. First one I just want to jump into is, well, this is super quick. I just Halloween Horror Nights is back, and I've seen so many TikToks about how awful (laughs) the lines are, which you and I experienced firsthand last year. I did not remember it being that bad, but all it got worse. Is, it got worse, I think. Yeah, and if you're not gonna pay for like the express patch, which express pass, which is stupidly expensive, um, honestly, you probably just don't even bother going because you'll stand in line for three hours for one maze. 
Dude, yeah, um, I heard about that. Looks so bad. Yeah, not worth going. And it's crazy too, because like even Disneyland's version of that, like the Fast Pass or whatever, is significantly cheaper. So it's yeah, pretty we should do we should do not scary farm, huh? That might be more fun. It's probably way less crowded too. Did you yeah. did you ever do? You ever been to not scary farm? You probably went in high school or something, right? I think once. Yeah, I remember I went one time in high school to one of them. I can't remember if it was. I think it was knots. Yeah, knots is great. Yeah. I'm a big fan. All right. Yeah. Wait, do they have mazes too, or like what do they do? Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. got mazes just like that, and um, it's like a little more janky. Is like the way yeah. I would describe it, where okay. like the costumes and like just it's it's more like uh, I guess they're they're definitely more likely to get sued than Universal. You know, like they have people on knee pads that like skirt around on the ground. Hell yeah. Um, they have. I don't know if they still do this at Universal, but. For years, both of them were doing the thing where you, they'd have a chainsaw, but it wouldn't have a chain on it, so it'd just be a motor. Oh, the and rev. Yeah, 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 the revving of the motor. They still do that at Not Scary Didn't they Farm. they have a thing, too, where they like hit the shovels on the ground to make sparks and stuff? Oh, yeah. They definitely do that at Not Scary Farm. But like yeah. over the years, Universal has gotten a little bit like more safe when it comes to that stuff, so they don't do it as much, at least the times that we went. Um and you know they just have really leaned into the purge stuff. It's like every year there's just purge. It's like the yeah. same purge guys in the yeah. front. Uh, and you know there's like a Stranger Things maze that looks kind of cool, but I heard it's not that scary. And the worst is when you're they in have those a mazes. Of us maze. They do, uh, and that one I heard is okay as well. Um, the worst is when you're in the maze at either Not Scary Farm or uh, Universal Halloween Horror Nights. It's like. When the maze is so crowded that you see the scares happening in front of you and it just, comp- yeah, everyone's just kind of marching along slowly. It just ruins the whole vibe. Uh, and that does not sound fun. But I will say last year, that was a really great time going to Not Scary Farm. Yeah. Or Not Scary Farm, Halloween Horror Nights when we did yeah. go. That was great. All right. So, what do you got for us, Matt? Sam Bankman Freed's trial is starting today. Um, or not today, excuse me, on October 4th, estimated to last about 21 days be in court for a hot minute um and then it's gonna last until about november 9th because you have some breaks in between um i think we've you know probably cursed san bankman freed a few times already mm-hmm. on this podcast but you know i and I, I i wanted to ask you lucas um and i'm actually bummed hot mickey isn't here today because i was actually really excited just to hear what he thought about this but <laughs> what um, would he what what would make well, here is here is here is takes on this because you know i think he might see things differently, but yeah. Um, do you think should celebrities or influencers be liable for promoting it? For example, the most notorious case is probably um, Tom Brady promoted it as well as a lot of other celebrities and a lot of other like influencers or finance influencers on YouTube, TikTok, whatever. Ooh, this is a really good question. I, I think it comes down to if the promoters of the product or scheme had a like fundamental or legally binding tie to the product or scheme, right? Like is Tom Brady, and I don't think this, I don't think he was, is he like a signatory on anything having to do with FTX or like cryptocurrency, or is he just a fan of cryptocurrency and he did the stupid eye thing on Twitter where everybody's, what do you call those eyes, Matt? Where like, it's like the glowing red eyes. That's like, um, it's like the crypto kind of like signal for people and like Tom Brady got into it. Some other folks got into it. You know what I'm talking about, right? 
Maybe if I saw it, but I'll okay, okay, it. I'll pull it up. I'll pull it up. But I think it does. It does have to do with if you just like a product or like a scheme, or you're excited about something because the marketing behind it, or you watched a YouTube video, or your TikTok feed convinced you, and you just want to promote it. Uh, I don't think that is like liability per se, but like if you're invested or you're financially gaining things because of this kind of thing, um, then I think we could probably maybe investigate, take a look at that. Yeah, I think where I come down on it is only if they had knowing knowledge of how much of a scam it was and how like actually how risky it was. Because I'm thinking what happened to a lot of these people is they just saw the check coming or the offer come through their email from their manager and they said, yeah, I'll talk about this for a minute or whatever. But yeah. a lot of people would actually have them think, yeah, they should be held accountable. But to that, I say nay, because in the same vein, you know, why don't we have casinos go to jail more, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you just go down a slippery slope right there. Then, you know, everybody that tweeted something that got so many thousands of retweets regarding FTX or cryptocurrency or NFTs, all of a sudden becomes like an accessory to it. And I think we just find ourselves going down like a slippery slope. Then it just becomes who's the most famous person that retweeted this or did I just sent you the crypto eyes. Yeah, yeah, so, you know what I'm yeah. talking about, right? Yeah. yeah. That was like a, a big thing for a little while. And Tom Brady was definitely. You see that on, on a lot of YouTube <laughs> clickbaits. Yeah, you do. You do. Yeah. We should probably throw that on some of our stuff, actually, Honestly. with you doing the laser eyes. Someone did it with Wizzy, uh, like Wizrobe, the Smash Bros player. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I quite enjoyed it when I saw it. Had a good laugh when I saw that one. I, I want to. I want to use the one of me and you with our arms folded, like some yeah. sword vessels. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. Maybe throw some flames in the background, but yeah. And yeah. then the YouTube video just says the case for NFTs, and it's just me and you. Going, <laughs> you mean you going like that with our arms crossed? That video would pop off. It would, dude. It would. Yeah, but um, yeah. I just wanted to bring it up. I kind of like I said. I, I wish Hot Mickey was here because I would have. And Chambers, too. I would have loved to bounce this off of them. But um, I think it's interesting because especially in Florida in particular, too, apparently by Florida law, people are able to like file lawsuits against them for damages or whatever. So that's a pretty big thing they're facing mm. over there. Um, but, you know, it's interesting because it's like at what point should I don't know. I, I think it's going to be an ongoing conversation because, you know, I watch like finance YouTubers here and there and everyone almost almost everyone was in on FTX. You know, it's just so yeah. insane how. It was just like a massive rug pull for everyone, really. Um, Man. I don't know. It's weird. It's like, you know, especially for the people that are like, oh, this isn't financial advice. It's like, you know, it's like if I watch a video uh, that tells me, you know, it's a guy saying, you know, oh, this is why Neo is a great stock and it's going to 10x and I bought this much, but this isn't financial advice. It's like, really? Really? Well, isn't this uh, the uh, deep fucking value? Like conversation as well i mean we just watched dumb money last night so it's kind of a, a little bit yeah it's like um, trying to find the person liable for like pumping something essentially i think the difference i'm trying to make though is like deep fucking value and his stuff i think he truly came at it from more like an educational standpoint and he genuinely talked about why he thought it was good i don't think he ever insinuated to anyone like oh you're gonna get rich or like this is gonna 10x he never said stuff like that you know yeah whereas a lot of he these just he likes the stock yeah, he just likes the stock yeah uh, which, by the way, Lucas and I went and saw Dumb Money last night, and I highly recommend. Awesome. Uh, Producer Sam was there, too. I highly recommend go see that movie, especially if you were like at all following that whole saga, or maybe some of you even invested in it a bit and played around a bit in the market. Um, it really captures that energy of that time and like that, the craziness of just staring at your phone, watching it go up. It was just so awesome. Honestly, I, 
we were all like laughing out loud several times. I know. Um, it, was, it was one of the funniest movies I've seen all year. Yeah, Easily. it was probably the most fun I've had in a theater this year, actually, yeah. for me. <laughs> We've seen a lot of good movies this year, but as far as like pure fun value, this was yeah very high up there. But yeah, Sam Bankman-Fried's going on trial. I'm curious to see how it's going to go. Yeah, interesting. I hope we'll ride that for one a long time. Yeah, yeah, we'll be we'll be the first to break that one when the verdict comes out. TFP only. Yeah. Um, I got a I got a, a, a one for you, Matt. It's not necessarily a good one. It's actually a, a sad one here. Uh, this actually is coming from GamesIndustry.biz. I know we talked about it in the Discord a little bit, but Epic laying off more than 800 employees. Uh, it's very sad news that's come about. It's about 16% of the company. And they're also parting ways with another 250 employees through the sale of the music storefront Bandcamp and the spinoff of most of the youth marketing company. Super awesome. So some, some rough news coming out. Um, the quote to me is a little lame here. Um, you know, Epic acquired Super Awesome, which was the youth marketing company, about three years ago, and Bandcamp has only been to the target organization since last year, March of last year. Wait, they have Bandcamp? Yeah, I guess they, they had Bandcamp, and now they're kind of shedding most of that. Why would they have Bandcamp? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, Bandcamp- That's the music thing, right? Yeah, the music hosting yeah. website where yeah, artists yeah. yeah have come. Um, huh. News to me that they even had that, um, to be honest with you. Uh, this is coming from- uh, Sweeney, who is, oh, I missed it. Yeah, CEO Tim Sweeney right here. He says, quote, while Fortnite is starting to grow again, the growth is driven primarily by creator content with significant revenue sharing. And this is a lower margin business than we had when Fortnite Battle Royale took off and began funding our expansion. Success with the creator ecosystem is a great achievement, but it means a major structural change in our economics. So, it's it's a rough explanation here, but I, I believe what he's trying to say is that, you know, Fortnite Battle Royale taking off in the last five, six years has been an insanely, insanely good thing for Epic Games. But as it's grown, they've sort of expanded into basically other types of product for Fortnite, which is creator systems. Um, you know, people create like a lot of systems, maps and things like that nowadays. And there's also like a lot of there's just creator content really driving the expansion, and the growth of Fortnite. And I suppose because of that, um, a lot of their staff has been obsoleted um, and they have actually shedded a lot of the Fortnite developers and just general staff members of uh, Epic Games, which is a really weird thing to say. Um, basically, the game has become bigger and therefore shrunk the number of yeah. people that yeah. need to build the game just because the game has become big in a way that doesn't necessarily increase margins for this company. What do you think, Matt? I'm um pretty upset on this one. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I understand why they're doing what they're doing from like a business standpoint. You know, I mean, you work in a, you have a very corporate job. Hey, you get it. Like we work in, we work in businesses, so we get that. Yeah, part. like you know, once a job, if a job becomes obsolete, generally speaking, you know, within a company, generally speaking, even if profits are up. If they can find a way to cut costs even more and you know shed it, that's what they'll do because they're all trying to you know maximize their profit. But you know it's a shame, and I think we're going to keep seeing a lot of stuff like this. And it, it makes me a little angry too because even just today scrolling, this is kind of off topic, but even just today scrolling along um, TikTok, I came across this video of some like really shitty content from Hundred Thieves. I actually made a <laughs> duet on it. It didn't do very well. The video, that's fine. It was more for me. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> love it. Um, it's actually like whatever worst performing ones we've done just by like the few. Anyways, um, but it was like just like Valkyrie. And let me be clear, like I actually I like Valkyrie as a content creator for the most part. Um, so this isn't necessarily like an attack on her. It's more so to Hundred Thieves in general. But like it was just like the stupidest fucking video that like we can make, and it was just like so childish and so like not even funny. And I was just watching, and I was like, man, like this is the kind of content you're making when you've laid off like 60% or whatever of your workforce in the last like year and a half or whatever. I don't know. I got like a little, I just kind of, kind of got angry by it. You know, it's just like do better, like make better content, make better anything. Like at least have a little know. bit more self-awareness. Right. Or like have a yeah, little bit more. I don't know. And, and maybe, uh, I don't know. Every year I've found myself less and less interested in those kind of companies for like multiple reasons. And I think part of that too is just me getting older. And I think they are definitely targeted more at like probably very early twenties to like teenagers um, that like think streetwear from some like old call of duty guy is cool. But <laughs> like, I don't know, man, it, it's just disappointing. And like, you're seeing so many other companies still like, or other esports orgs, like kind of, go through the same thing and then you see things like where the major gaming companies like this have it happen you know where they literally admit that our profits are up but see a fuckers like what the hell yeah that it was always weird to see right like people reporting yeah. record profits and then people get laid off in the same vein right there yeah i'm torn man because like you know i'm a i'm a capitalist but i'm also a human yeah i mean my my thing with this one is like it's sort of uh it's a double-edged sword and it's kind of like a, we get what we wanted, but we didn't realize it's what we wanted. Or, you know, we, we gave gamers a little bit more accessibility, a little bit more freedom when it comes to the product. But at what cost? At, but at what cost kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think overall something like Fortnite, the flagship product of Epic, along with just the engine in general, um, their flagship product has gotten bigger, has gotten yeah. better, has gotten more accessible, has had more collaborations. Um, has had more like crossover events, has had all these things over the last few years. And ultimately what it's led up to is that the people who help make it don't get a piece of it. In fact, get laid off because of that, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm sure some of these people, stock options, like whatever they kind of got during their regular course of compensation there, that's all fair. That's all fine, right? But ultimately, you know, they end up with six months of healthcare benefits for those in US, Canada, and Brazil, um, as, as well as moving up stop auctions and 401k sharing vesting and six months severance for these employees that got laid off. So great. They at got least that. they did them right by that. Yeah. yeah, at least they did them right, you know, but it's it's a tough position to be in as a company because you've done all this right by gamers. They've gotten more out of your product over the last four or five years, but, um, you know, people have uh, unfortunately gotten cut because of that. The other thing too, this was an update that came a day after this article I dropped. The Fall Guys developer, Mediatonic, is among the mass layoffs at Epic. It's, a, it's the British studio, and several employees shared on social media that they had been impacted. So even one of the bigger games that has come out of Epic, or, you know, of Mediatonic, which is Fall Guys, uh, granted, it has seen, obviously, lower and lower player base since the game has kind of gone on over the last few years. But another big product, another big game that streamed and, like, talked about and played um, and honestly, by the numbers, it hasn't really done that well. I was actually looking at the streaming numbers for this one. It has steadily declined, but it also had some increases uh, normally occurring in the summertime, in the holidays, um, all that regular stuff. So it's a game that people want to play when they have time, I think. And it's a game yeah. that players have come back to. Um, and those people got laid off, right? And that's a game that's had constant updates and constant development on it since, it's since it came out 
um, in 2020. So rough, rough go. Uh, you could succeed and do well and still somehow lose in the industry. Yeah, man, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you and I hear things at our own job sometimes where we're like, whoa, what? Like, right? Yeah. And I mean, that's the that's the business world sometimes. But um, yeah, I'm hopefully all those people land on their feet. Um, wishing them the best. Yeah. What you got? Real quick, just all this talk about like gaming companies and like me bringing up Hundred Thieves. I totally forgot that they're making their own video game, and I guarantee you, it's gonna fucking. I <laughs> will tell yeah. the final judgment until it comes out, obviously. But I don't know. What if it slaps, dude? It's gonna be like a CS:GO Valorant clone, right? So play CS:GO. That okay? Yeah, that's that's my thing. CS:GO two just came out. Valorant is still pumping, and because um, even like I think a really good one. example is um looking at like every platform fighter clone that came out after like, you know, smash after melee became so much more prominent in like the last five, six years. I think the only really successful one is actually rivals of Aether. I think all the other ones were like, they had their time a little bit, but like pretty quickly died off. Yeah. Um, you know, you're seeing a lot of other people trying to make their own games. So I'm, I don't know. It's like, why not just play CS2, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. CS2, maybe, maybe it will be great. You know, CS2 currently has, Right now, six hundred and forty-one thousand people playing it. Yeah, so it's a lot of people, a lot more than Fall Guys. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, I I really wonder how anyone's gonna be able to grab a chunk of that, um, no matter who you are, no matter what brand you got. So I guess we'll have to see. Because it's not even CS two. It's like you have to beat out CS two, Valorant, then like other shooters like Apex, Apex Legends, Legends, Fortnite. Yeah. You know everything. Yeah. Um, Call of Duty, Battlefield, whatever. I don't know. It's there, people will definitely play it whenever it comes out because it's 100 Thieves. And same thing with Dr. Disrespect's game. People will definitely play it. But will it endure? Will it be good? We'll see. Yeah, we'll we see. see. Um, this is old news. However, the last two episodes we were recorded had been recorded a couple weeks before we released them, so we didn't really have time to talk about this in depth. But... Um, Maybe this has come up, Lucas. You can let me know if it did and I missed it. But did we talk about at all the emails that leaked? Uh oh yeah. Uh we we didn't, not really. Um yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you're bringing that up right now. Go for it. Yeah, so for those that aren't aware, um I think a few weeks ago, like maybe two, two and a half, there were some emails that linked as a part leaked as a part of the uh, FTC's investigation, you know, just like microanalyzing the deal with uh, Microsoft buying Activision. And a lot of those emails had some pretty juicy details. Um, some to name a few were there's going to be a discless Xbox Series X supposed to come in 2024, at least as the, at the time of that email, which I think these emails were from around 2020, 2021. Yep. Um, and that Xbox is going to cost the same as the one with a... Um, <laughs> With, with a disc drive? With a disc, and it's yeah. just going to cost less or cost more or the same. So you're paying less to get, paying more the same to get less. Um, and it, it's fucking ugly too. It's just like a, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't know. My PlayStation 5 isn't exactly that aesthetically pleasing either. It's kind of a giant thing, to be honest. But like, this thing is just like a stupid fucking cylinder. I don't know. I don't really like it. <laughs> and you know what I, I saw? And it reminded me of, like uh, the fake video game consoles you would have seen on like Zach. And oh Cody yeah, yeah. Up, or PlayStation like, Three revealed like, like leaks. There was like a there was like a Drake and Josh episode where they had like a fake video the game. The Game console. Sphere, dude. Yeah, the yeah. Game Sphere reminded me of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
And then apparently the next Xbox is coming in 2028, which is going to have a very big focus on hybrid cloud game computing. I'm not going to lie. I, I read the article. I still couldn't figure out what it really meant. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think what I was very what, confused by it. What they're talking about is the is the future that cloud gaming like that was promised to us by early adopters like Google Stadia, right? Where yeah. it's all digital. It's game streaming. Um you know, very, very low latency, very low lag, where you're actually not downloading games, you're streaming them on a digital device uh, and playing them through technically the server at Microsoft, right? Where yeah. um, you pay, a, there actually are betas. I mean, this this exists currently where you can play cloud versions of games without having to download them. And it's it's weird. I think this future is a really interesting future. I like it. I certainly thought Google Stadia was a really cool idea. And the reason it's cool, Matt, is because it doesn't matter what hardware you're running. All you need is a good internet connection. That's how you played Cyberpunk, right? Yeah, I played it on Chrome. Not like technically I could have played it on anything that was using Chrome. I could have played it on my phone. I could have played it on my iPad. Um, basically anything that can connect a peripheral like a controller I was able to play it on. And I found that to be very, very interesting. There was a little bit of latency, like there was a little bit of lag when you played like a, less than a quarter of a second, but it was definitely noticeable. Um, but I was running a fully realized cyberpunk game, which was not working on 50% of devices at the time. Uh, and it was all through cloud streaming. And it seems like that's what kind of Microsoft has really bet on with some of these leaked documents. I know these are older leaked documents, but um, seems like they're going for it. Yeah. 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 I'm, uh, I, I think the big thing for me still comes down to that. We don't have good enough internet generally most of the population. Um, but you know, maybe it'll be better by 2028. Who knows? Um, some other announcements from a email dated around July, 2020 in a Microsoft presentation to ZeniMax regarding potential acquisition stuff. Um, <laughs> there was some announcements around an oblivion, apparently getting a remaster that was, Again, this email was 2020, July 2020, but an Oblivion remaster that was originally set for the fiscal year of 2022. Missed that mark. Um, Doom Year Zero and some sort of DLC, which I think, as I understand, was meant to be a prequel to Doom, kind of like telling the story of the Doom guy. Um, yeah. That was going to be fiscal year 2023. Oh, and then the DLC following in fiscal year 2024. And then Fallout 3 remaster um, for fiscal year 2024. And then a sequel to Ghostwire Tokyo for fiscal year 2024, which um, I always thought the game looked really cool. I haven't played it. Apparently, it was like a lot of mediocre reviews, but I'm still <laughs> interested in jumping in at some point. It just came and, out in a weird time. I yeah. think it got lost in the sauce a little bit. And then uh, Dishonored 3 for fiscal year 2024, which I know a lot of people love those games. Um, yeah. My sister, one of them. Shout did, you, uh, did you know how these got leaked, Matt? Did you hear about how? I know I was just a part of the like investigation, but I don't know the semantics. So uh, it was uploaded to the court website uh, accidentally. Oh, that's right. The so, lawyer, some lawyer fucked it up. Yeah, like literally, like it was a PDF that was uploaded, and they uploaded it. It's it's like a public facing site where people could access it because it's like basically submitting stuff for the public court record. Um, basically, it was either that a lawyer uploaded a PDF that had like a second page to it and like they didn't realize that they were uploading more on the PDF or they didn't realize at all that they were uploading to a public record um something like that but it was it was a mistake it was human error by uh the not 
a law. I mean, it was literally a person that did. It was probably like a could have been a paralegal or something. It wasn't necessarily a lawyer, but it was the legal the team. Legal team, of yeah, of, of Microsoft. Yeah, and then the other thing, kind of the big one. It's a pretty big fuck up. It's a pretty big someone fuck lost up. Their yeah, job. someone got fired. Someone got yeah. fired for sure. Um, did you hear the big one, which was Phil Spencer talking about Nintendo? Nintendo yep, is that we're going to go to next? next. Yeah. This is probably one of my favorite thought, like one of my favorite imagination scenarios that's come about in the last year with yeah. gaming news. Um, want to talk about it? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we could read through the, the email, but basically Phil Spencer is emailing um, Takeshi Numoto as well as, um, I'm not going to lie, actually, I'm not sure who those exactly are off the top of my head, but emailing some other high up execs, whatever, basically saying that, and bear in mind, this is dated August 2020, basically, and actually, Lucas, while I'm looking this up, can you do me a solid and yeah, see when, um, check when or Microsoft bought Bethesda the date on that I'm curious but um yeah Spencer Phil Spencer's basically saying like yeah Nintendo is like the prime asset for us in gaming and we fucking want it um we think it'd be great and you know it'd be great for gaming overall and you know we just need to get Nintendo to realize that you know the future exists off their hardware um now (laughs) and he also says that this would be like basically my career crowning moment. moment of yeah. my career um <laughs> he sounds like kendall roy with that <laughs> just like you're right yeah we, we gotta get we gotta boy. get nintendo, nintendo yeah. we gotta get dad, it. Be, this would be huge this dad be you're huge. a dinosaur dad yeah. <laughs> bill, bill you're a dinosaur yeah imagine <laughs> yo imagine succession yeah. uh, succession but like logan roy owns microsoft and kendall <laughs> is like trying to convince logan to buy nintendo, buy nintendo. he's like dad dad That'd be Japan. Fucking awesome yeah that would actually be I, i'd watch that 100 the weeboos dad the uh, weeboos. it was it was march 21 that okay, it, okay. it happened so this was before that officially happened yeah but, yeah um I wanted to, you know, and I really wish Mickey was here for this because he's such a big Nintendo guy, <laughs> even though he claims not to be. I'm a huge Nintendo um, guy too, man. I got some hot takes for this one. Do you think it, it, this will never, almost for sure never happen? I don't think there's even like very many successful examples at all of a US-based company buying out a Japanese company in general. Not. Um, do you see, ever see a world where it'd be a a good thing if Nintendo got acquired by Microsoft. No. Tell me why. No. So, well, one, it, it's, it's weird. It it would just literally never happen. I mean, there's never been, move past that. Let's move past that. Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't think there's a scenario where a Japanese, like you said, Japanese company getting acquired by American company. It's just, I don't think it's ever happened. Um, two Nintendo creatively, like they have such a, black box, strict development pipeline that no one is really that privy to. They're, the people that developed Zelda are literally called like Nintendo Software Development Team number one. And like the people that developed Mario are Nintendo Software Development Team number two. And whatever it is that's going on internally in terms of the hierarchy, who they report to, what the deadlines are, how it works, we don't know. It's just they come out with a great fucking game once a year, every other year, whatever it is, right? We got Mario Mario Wonders coming out in October. We don't know what the pipeline was. If an external company came in, everybody's trying to replicate it. Microsoft, Bethesda, like Unreal, like all these companies that try to do what Nintendo has been doing for so many years. Blizzard kind of did something similar with the team names. There's just team one, team two, team three. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's I mean, I guess that's that's a little bit that's a little bit beside the point is like how they're named and stuff like that. I guess I'm more just trying to nail down like 
What it, whatever Nintendo's secret sauce is development wise, no one else has been able to do it. They have they haven't figured it out yet. So like, you know, if somebody were to come in, they would have to just immediately listen to Nintendo on what to do, and it'd be this weird dynamic of okay, we own Nintendo, but they still do everything that they were doing before. We just our guests are now collecting the profits of. What I think that'd they be do. fucking perfect. Which which is the only way it would work, I guess, in this crazy hypothetical. But then the other thing too is that Nintendo develops for their own hardware that's why their shit runs so well that's why they were able to get a game like tears of the kingdom which has barely any disk space to work it like never would have worked if it was being developed by any other type of company it's because nintendo's developing and they know their hardware on the switch they know the limitations of what they've created and they can develop based around that counterpoint nintendo is almost always going to be behind purely on the power of hardware Surely the beautiful people in Nintendo could figure out how to make Tears of the Kingdom run the same essential version and port that to an Xbox. No, that's that's true. But what Nintendo has always understood about their audience is that they lower the barrier to entry with their hardware intentionally. They could make a six hundred dollar switch, but they're not going to make a six hundred dollar switch because then you can't buy two switches in your house. Then you can't have three, four switches that your kids have. And like they could bring to school and they could like, you could buy another one or you could buy the OLED version. Like they've always had a history of having a cheaper console that's lighter weight, lower specs that they develop for with their own games. And that works for them. Otherwise they would just become another big player in the market and they would they would just become the same uh, as the other people if they were to try develop on more expensive hardware which is what the other people do now. So Nintendo isn't even in the console war right now. Like yeah. they're on their own little island just winning with the Switch, right? And if they were to just start developing for other hardware, all of a sudden it's about trying to sell more of that hardware to play the new Zelda on and their development timelines are different. Their development teams are kind of shoehorned into different types of hardware like generations. It's just not going to work as easily. And if if you you can't mess with the Nintendo development cycle period if you're ever going to work with them or buy them or anything i think if it becomes a hardware conversation about trying to get it onto this generation of xbox this generation of pc this graphics chip and this this uh like processor all of a sudden you're interrupting the flow of what they're developing for and how they do it and i just don't see it i just don't see it working i just don't see anyone acquiring nintendo and still getting the same level of quality and build out of what they make so I disagree wholeheartedly. I think okay. it'd be great. I think it'd be great. Okay. If, Tell uh, me why. Yourself on Nintendo. One, I think it'd be genuinely good for the consumer. Genuinely do. You'd have to buy one less console. Number one. Let's okay. start there. Instead of buying a $400 Xbox and a $300 Switch, you buy a $400 Xbox. Or if you just want to play Nintendo games, you just buy your Switch and you're happy. No problem there. Um, obviously, I hear what you're saying about like, whatever they're doing, there's their own secret sauce is working. I agree with that completely. You know, keep doing what they're doing. Um, I don't even think Xbox had that big of a hand in Starfield, or maybe they should have, but they didn't. Um, <laughs> where, you know, they kind of just didn't touch them. Obviously, that game was probably already well into development by the time they were required. They were just doing their thing. Um, I'd do that exact same strategy with Nintendo. And here's what you say. All right, you get by, let's say, I don't know. Probably six months before any game is released, it's more or less done, right? It's polishing at that point, give or take. Mm -hmm. Plus or minus a couple months. Uh, ideally, ideally. Ideally, yeah. ideally. Um, you tell Nintendo, you complete your game, you do whatever you need to do, do your thing. And then when you reach that polishing point, 
that's when you start integrating our team or a team that you hire, you know, you hire them under your own discretion to do this project that we need you to do to start porting it over. And it can even come out three or four months later than the original, right? Mm-hmm. Give them that. I lapse, see your point. Let them do that thing. And so that there's that, right? I think that'd be very good for the consumer. I think they could make it work if they just genuinely say, do your thing. We're just trying to, you know, <laughs> democratize video games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. We were, that's a Robin Hood joke. Um, <laughs> for those that, I don't know, that might go over some heads. Anyways, um, two, two, you butt fuck Nintendo's copyright bullshit. <laughs> You let modders okay. in yep. there up the wazoo. Project M would still be alive. It'd be a better world if all that was. So the point zero 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 one percent of gamers that enjoy Project M could enjoy it again. Yeah, but it's not even that. I mean, it, it, it's. It would even like limit, for example, like I don't think Nintendo has done this, but we talked about the other week that example where someone got like literally arrested because a company pressed charges on them. That was Japan. whack. That wasn't Nintendo yeah. though. And I'm was saying it wasn't, but like, yeah. who's to say that doesn't happen someday, you know? Right. That's true. Um, but then or you're, some but, lesser degree of it even. But at a certain point, you're, you're kind of uh, calling into question the entire cultural, like copyright law, the copyright law culture of Japan as a whole. Right. It's like, if you were, I, a, I'll call it out. It sucks. No, no, I know. But like, yeah. you're, you're not, you're not calling out Nintendo is what I'm saying in, in your statement. You're calling out yeah, yeah. the cultural copyright law stuff. In Japan, yes. which yes. A acquisition of a Japanese company will not fix. Well, then I tell you what, you let them. Well, yeah, but you could fix it with that one company, the, the yeah. biggest gaming company in Japan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe it's I'm, bigger than it's, Sony. I think it's I don't it's know. so much. I I like everything about your scenario. I don't like everything about it, but I get I get what you're saying. Um, yeah. I think. Well, this is funny because when this email was written, which it, it was written in, in August of 2020, the, the subject line is literally random. Thought. Random thought. I like, know. That's yeah, so this is funny. like, it's pretty great. I mean, it's Phil Spencer just kind of musing on like, oh my God, if Nintendo was ever acquired by Microsoft, that'd be huge. But it is coming from a little bit of a delusional place because Sony is first up for grabs to acquire Nintendo. If anybody, if any video game company is going to acquire Nintendo, Sony's already a Japanese company. Like... They came up together in the space. It's like they the PlayStation's actually been in the game longer than Xbox was in the game. So they've actually been in the gaming industry longer. And then the other thing is when this was written, the Mario movie hadn't come out and Nintendo hasn't gotten hadn't gotten Disneyfied at this point. And now, I mean, Nintendo is on a rocket to the moon. And I truly think that this is my real thought, Matt. I'm I'm on record on this re- recording right now. What Disney was to the 20th century is what Nintendo will be to the 21st century. Like in the 20s, in the 30s, like throughout the early 20th century, Walt Disney was developing a formula of hyper protected IP of like Mickey Mouse, Disney characters with high quality products and like secret sauce. Right. And turning it into a worldwide family friendly phenomenon. That is exactly what Nintendo is doing right now with Mario movies fucking Mario Land at Universal Studios here in LA and they are not going to be touchable by Microsoft very very soon here even if Phil Spencer had the cash bear hug <laughs> whatever yeah whatever a bear hug is is that just buying it like more than more than the stock and basically it? making it to the point of where like this offer is so good you're literally doing like a fiduciary injustice to your investors if you don't sell that's what it is yeah that's what Kendall tried to do well spoilers uh, that's what Kendall <laughs> 
tried to do to Logan in season one, basically. Yeah, I remember that. Out. I, remember yeah. that. So, um, I mean, and, and Microsoft could fucking do it, bro. It's like a, let me look at Microsoft market cap. Microsoft market cap. $2.9 trillion that's is their lot. market cap. It's a lot of market cap. Well, what they would have, so they would have N- to, what's the Nintendo? 53 billion US dollars, give or take. I'll say, so they'd have to say, I want to buy you for 80 billion. Fuck it, make it 100. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> Phil Spencer of Microsoft. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just a number. Yeah, it's just a number on paper. This is yeah, a, just more. This is like when Logan was like, "Congrats for saying the higher number." Exactly, you fucking idiots. <laughs> idiots <yeah. laughs> That's you right now, Matt. Just I like, know, man. oh, two hundred million, two hundred billion. Who cares? Yeah. yeah, bear hug. Yeah, I, I, I mean, sure. I, I don't, I don't know. It's like the implication that would happen if that happened. Like, you think that this FTC shit is crazy with like Bro, Microsoft? It yeah. would if anybody tried to buy Nintendo. Like insane. legally, it wouldn't even be possible, probably, yeah. uh, with with just what's been going on with FTC hearings and things like that with Microsoft. So, probably not in like legally uh, possible, pl- plausible or possible. But also, this is Nintendo we're talking about, dude. Like the most protective people. Like they're just not. They're not for three hundred billion. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's like you're talking to people that the money is not the issue. Like the money yeah. is is like uh, not what they're that they're there to do. I think their the vision for Nintendo for the next 100 years is to turn it into Disney and I think that they're going to do it. And like any sell or any lack of protecting the IP, it's it's not going to go the right way. Uh so that's why that's why the copyright law is so strict, man. Like their vision for what this company is going to be is bigger than any of us could really imagine. And I think there's going to it's 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 going to get bigger and bigger. I I feel it. I still want to buy them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, just buy them, dude. Just bear hug them. Yeah. Easy. Easy. Mm. Um, let us know anything in the Discord on that. I think Lucas and I both made good points, and I'd love to hear um, what y'all think. But um, I'm just for the consumer, guys. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I, I am, like, really. I mean, you got me on a little thought experiment here of, okay, like, let's say I am playing Zelda on an Xbox, and, my, and it's, like, on Steam because it's on PC or something like that, or it's on whatever launcher... I'm able to play it on Steam Deck with like slightly upresed graphics, things like that. It's it sounds nice, right? I just don't think that the game was the way that it was developed and thought about from top to bottom was it working on Switch. So it's I don't know, it's kind of weird to think about it like as a regular type of game where it would have like graphics options, frame rate options, like a regular game that we all boot up, um, which Nintendo games just never have. Um, so I think that would be a little bit of an interesting pivot for them. I mean, most games haven't even had that for like console games until like the past couple of years, really. True. That's true. Performance mode, frame rate. Which like, I still think like is that. such a stupid thing. Just figure it out for me. That's why I play it on a console. <laughs> um, that's that's what Nintendo know. That's what, you know, people that play Nintendo games think about having a Switch is just like, yeah. except for unless you're playing Mortal Kombat on Switch. Then you're just shit oh yeah, well, that thing looks awful. Yeah, we talk about that. <laughs> yeah, there's not I much to say. It just looks it. like shit. A terrible yeah. port. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's weird because the port for the Switch came out, but then the ports for last gen consoles are not out yet. Yeah, and it's like they developed it for Switch. I don't know. It's just a weird, weird timing on that one all around. Did Hogwarts Legacy make it to Switch? It did. What was the? I don't know. Or... Actually, just look that up, dude. Oh, it's not out yet. Oh, it doesn't come out till November 14th on Switch. 
Oh man, that's gonna be man. They've taken so long to optimize. Oh, I'm fucking sure. It. Probably barely still runs. Yeah, dude. Oh man. I don't know. I mean, they made The Witcher run on it. I'm sure they can just. It's probably just gonna look awful, but yeah. Yeah, Switch Two's got to be coming out pretty soon, right? Switch Plus something. Switch Switch Plus Plus three three D Switch three D Switch. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Is that a uh, is that all we got here? I think we could wrap it up, right? That's all we got. We talked about yeah. a lot, actually. That was fun. Yeah. Oh, I do have a question for you, Matt. This actually came up on um, on IGN. I wanted to have a little bit discussion of this mm-hmm. one. Um, lately, I've been seeing uh, Skyrim mods with AI NPCs. Have you been seeing these? I mean, isn't every NPC an AI? No, like AI, like ChatGPT AI on Skyrim NPCs. So when you're talking to them, they actually, you know, respond with an AI, like a unique so, response every time. I actually have experience with this. Okay. Shout out to Bubble. Um, Bubble, I won't reveal too many details, is working on a lot of really cool stuff and had me demo something for them. Wow. Um, and it included that, what you're talking about. Um, okay. So it was very cool. Okay, awesome. Well, I was, I was literally I was thinking... like typing to like an in-game character and it was responding accordingly. Okay, sick. I, I think this is, this is such a fascinating moment for video games in this reason. I think there was a discussion on IGM GameScoop last week about a fully realized AI generated game and how like in the future, you know, right now, right now we have AI generated songs, we have AI generated videos. Um, there's a lot of stuff that AI is doing right now. And, you know, there's a future where AI is just like creating songs for you. Uh, and a future where AI is just creating imagery for you, writing your emails, doing all this stuff. But that also means that there's a future where AI is creating your video games, right? Yeah. And like, it'll just kind of going to be able to create an idea or create a video game based off of an idea or a prompt that you give it, right? One, um, not sure if I want to play a game that's like that, but I think that uh, two, AI has a place in video games when implemented really well. It sounds like you've played a demo of something that's implemented pretty well. Um I think that roguelike, I think certain genres are really going to benefit roguelikes or roguelites using AI generated. I know we already use procedural generation, just adding the AI component onto it for smarter machine learning could be very, very compelling. I think story driven games, um, you know, visual novel games like a Phoenix, right? That's AI driven where you're kind of getting pointed in the right direction, but always given a unique story. I think that could be super compelling. Um, I don't see it working for something like a Starfield. I know has a lot of procedural generation, um, you know, with certain things, No Man's Sky, like generation of like areas and zones. That might not be the area that we should go into with this sort of technology, but I want to get your thoughts, Matt. AI and video games, yes all around, no all around, or yes with some caveats. Uh, yes, with some caveats. You know, I think there could be some really incredible RPGs maybe someday, like with what we just talked about. Um like how Skyrim has the mods or whatever. And I think they'll be very good for particularly, like you mentioned, games like roguelites um, and for like really creating, you know, it's one thing to have procedural generation, right? But to have like AI generation in games will be very interesting, you know? Um, I also don't want to play a world where these games are like actually just made by AI, you know, integrate it, sure. But an AI, I'd play, you know, I think Justin Davis said it like very well in that episode where he's like, yeah, I'll play it, but it'll probably, I'll probably hate it as like a concept. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, uh, I do have, um, like an interesting thought occurred to me while I was thinking about this, which is, you know, right now there's a lot of people 
who will not listen to Kanye West's music because of his comments that he's made in the last year and just how out of pocket he's been. Right. And even sometimes myself, who's been a long time Kanye fans, kind of like, ah, it's like a little icky sometimes to hear some Kanye songs. Right. Now, there's a lot of AI generated Kanye songs that are coming around. I don't know if you hear them, but people are actually generating are like, really? beats and lyrics. Yeah. And there's even been some Drake AI songs that like people are like, whoa, this is like even better than some Drake songs, you know? So really? there's like, I'll send you some. There, so there's like AI generated songs. they're doing songs. that by like sending like, Scan having the AI like, listen to all the songs and just make its own thing. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And then like take lyrics, all that stuff. So there is this like, you know, there's always been a tension between problematic artists, whether it's Kanye or, you know, Diego Luna or something or not or Diego Luna. Um, who am I thinking of, Matt? Um, is it Diego Luna? Frida Kahlo's husband. I don't know. Can you let's, let's do a quick Google? So Mickey's not here, so we got one of us has to do the googling on this one. Keep talking, who milking up? Frida Kahlo's husband. Um, problematic artists have always existed, right? But if an AI generates a piece of art that you can engage with, and you know, not to overstep here, but love, then it eliminates any sort of tension for artists that we don't that we have issues with. Diego Rivera. Rivera. Diego Luna. Somebody else. Um, and I, I think that's a little bit of a compelling thought because where where like we'll never have like moral conundrums regarding AI creating something because it's it doesn't it's not a human right it it can't have it can't like treat its employees badly right it can't create a hostile work environment so in a way when we're creating uh, like art or video games using AI we're eliminating the potential for suffering by the little person involved in any of these processes right like we hear all these crazy horrible work hours uh we hear about how horrible we just talked about all these layoffs that are happening at epic right like if in the future ai is generating video games we're effectively creating a product with net less suffering than we had before or like nearly net zero suffering or work horrible workplace conditions long hours things like that um, and I'm not endorsing it. I like people lose, people are going to lose their jobs over AI in the near future. People are already losing their jobs. Um, I just think that there's this thought that occurred where, oh my God, like, does that, is that a benefit to society in a weird way? Yeah. You know, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, in some ways, yeah, it can alleviate some of the condition that the workers face, but it could also make them like lose jobs. It's like a, Couch 22, right? I think that in 50 years, uh, when these jobs have all... Because you and I aren't uh, draw, like you know shedding tears for travel agents right now. Like when a job goes away forever, uh, there's no... Like w the pain of it is in the moment, right? And then like a generation later, you're like, oh yeah, like uh, every travel agent in the world lost their job because like the internet, right? And yeah. like we don't even care or need that anymore. And in 50 years, the people whose jobs are getting replaced by AI now, that generation of people is just going to go, oh yeah, like people used to work like 100 hour weeks to make do this thing that in a video game for development and now they don't. And like that's a benefit to society. I think that conversation is going to be had in a couple generations for sure. Yeah, I don't know, man. We're getting closer and closer to cyberpunk. <laughs> I think we're a little further away from that one, but... Bro, you know I'm getting Kyoshi Optics in my, the second I can, bro. <laughs> Which one's that one? Which Kyoshi Optics? The eyeball implants. 
And just what do they do? Just see through walls? Little Hawkeye. That's it. All right. All right. Scan like some that. stuff. Yeah. Oh, dude, you're you're crazy. Living in the living the dream. <laughs> yeah. All right. That was my little soapbox for AI. I think it's a, a interesting future that we got here for game development and AI as it affects basically every piece of media that's going to be affected by it. Yeah, I mean, right now we're seeing so much, right, just with the strikes and everything. So it'll be interesting. I mean, dude, AI NFTs, was a were, NFTs were a fad. AI, AI is not a fad. Yeah. You know? Oh, dude, no. It is the breakthrough technology of the century. Yeah. Like, not even joking. It's uh, it's remarkable. I think that, uh, I mean, AI was such a big component of the writer's strike uh, conditions and agreement that came up. You know, like, AI... Just, you know, things generated from AI are not like considered adapted. I mean, there's all these like fine print things that ended up going into the writer's deal. But um, AI was definitely, definitely a subject of conversation throughout the whole strike. Yeah. Oh, crazy, mm-hmm. crazy, crazy, crazy. All right. I think uh, that's all we got. Let's see if you see anything else for us today. Uh, no, nothing else on my side. All right. That's all we got for me. Um, as always, everyone, if you want to reach myself or Lucas, the best place to do that is on the um, in the Discord. The best place to find the Discord, you can, you can either go to thanksforplaying.live, find the, the link there. Or if you'd like, you could uh, send an email to thanksforplayingpod at gmail.com. I'll personally send you back an invite link with a selfie. Or as well, you can find our Twitter, TikTok, or Instagram at TFP Podcasts. That's at TFP Podcasts with an S at the end. Um, you can find all the fun stuff we post over there. Um, as well, if you go to the link tree on any of those, actually just the link tree on the Instagram or the Twitter, we can't do that on TikTok, unfortunately. If you go to the link tree to either of those social media sites, you'll find a host of things as well as a link to our Discord. Um, coming out, it's fun. It's a good time. We talk shop. Um, apparently, people don't vote on our games anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, looking forward to uh, playing that uh, The Devil Inside with you, Matt. Devil Inside, or Devil Inside and me. looking forward to jumping into Resident Village. First Resident Evil game for me. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm booting, uh, I'm booting up right that. after this recording. I already yeah. got, I already got downloaded. Um, if you want to find me, you can find me on Instagram at good idea. Lucas, you could also find me on the discord. Uh, looking forward to uh, connecting with all the fans out there. Uh, it's been a fun yeah. one, Matt. Been a great yes. topic episode here tonight. Yes. And if you want to catch up with me, you can find me on Twitter at good idea, Matthew, but come join the discord. It's where the things happen. All right, everyone. This has been, thanks for playing. Catch you next time. Scooby Bop. Thanks for playing as a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Samuel Luna, and our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch and Red Circle 